Well, hello, ladies, gentlemen, everyone listening, and welcome to the new podcast of VORW International, the voice of the report of the week. Going out to you this Wednesday, the 17th of November, 2021. My intention at this point is to have this released on Thursday the 18th, or perhaps Friday the 19th. So we shall see. But again, I always like to mention the date that this is recorded, because uh, I always like to take into account subsequent current events. Because sometimes we discuss things in this program, and... You just have to make sure, okay, this is when it was recorded. That's that. Going with some coffee and some water tonight. I went with my usual Starbucks, the vanilla, the vanilla, what is it called? I don't know, the vanilla latte or something to that extent. Anyway, it's what I get every single time. We'll take a sip of that. All right, there we go. And then I'll take a sip of water to balance it all out. What a waste of airtime this is, but it's my show, I suppose. If I want to sit here for an hour and just drink something the whole time, I guess I could do just that, because who's stopping me, right? (laughs) No one, I'm just left to my own devices here. Anyway, hope everyone out there tuned in right now is feeling and doing all right in these crazy times. Today's show, I'm just going to talk about a few random things. I don't really have any significant, substantial discussion. I am, however, going to open up the email in a little bit and read some listener emails that came in. I I bet it'll probably be almost an hour of uh, email reading, if I had to guess, just looking at the number that came in. So we're going to have kind of a good old-fashioned mailbag show today, which uh, hopefully will be fun. Of course, if you wish to participate, I'll say it right now, why not? Uh, If you do want to send in an email with any questions, comments pieces of feedback, topic suggestions, things you would like to share, or things you would like to hear me talk about, you are welcome to do just that. You can reach me at v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. Again, that's v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. This show has no schedule, no set schedule. It goes out at an indeterminate schedule. So, keep in mind, do not expect immediate response on the air. The next show might be in two weeks, it might be in two months. These shows are just done when they're done at this point. And I felt like doing another show, so that's why we're here at the microphone right now. Uh, Likewise, I mention this every now and then, but I always extend the invitation. If you are interested in shortwave radio, you want more information, you want a radio recommendation or any of that, reach out to me at vorwinfo at gmail.com and I'll be happy to help. All right, a few miscellaneous points that I want to bring up. Like I said, I don't think the discussion 
aside from emails, tonight is really going to be all that much. So it's mostly going to be a mailbag program. Um, a, f- a few things that I want to mention. Number one, I have made up my mind, if you've noticed, the last show that I did was not posted to YouTube. So I made up my mind with that. Uh, these shows are not going on YouTube. They're going out everywhere else. They're not being posted to YouTube. I think that YouTube causes a lot of problems. It's just something that I don't want to deal with right now. So uh, they're not going to be there, but they're going to be everywhere else. And uh, that's just how it is. So that's my decision for now. Uh, Of course, the YouTube channel is still accessible. It's not going anywhere. So if I ever want to do something with it, it, it's there, you know, to be done with. I'm just saying, though, that that's just what what I'm doing now. So... What was I even going on about? I don't know. These are just going to be posted everywhere else except for YouTube. All right, that said... I think some people might wonder, well, since you don't have to deal with YouTube anymore, are you going to start talking about more controversial things anymore? Or uh, are, you, are you going to start talking about controversial things, is what I'm what they're saying. I've been asked that a few times. And my answer to that is, uh, probably not. Uh, I always like to stay out of trouble to begin with. <laughs> I just don't have to worry, I think especially with COVID stuff, Perhaps about really biting my tongue, perhaps. But it's like, what's going on right now, for instance? One thing that I'm not going to touch with a 10-foot pole is uh, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Uh, Granted, the jury has been deliberating for two days. They've been, uh, you know, I guess tomorrow will be the third day of deliberations. By the time this show goes out, will there be a verdict? Maybe, maybe not. I really don't know, but at the time of recording this, there isn't any. But is there going to be a detailed discussion about that in this show? And are you going to hear me talking about what happened and uh, whether, you know, I'm not even going to go there. It's something that I don't want to talk about. It's something that's analyzed from so many other points of view. So, uh, it's just, I'm not going there. There's some things, could you talk about? Yes. Should you talk about them? That's up to you. And, uh, yeah, is that something I could talk about? Sure. Is that something I want to talk about? No. So I'm not going to. I just don't see any point in uh, discussing it. There's plenty of places and sources you can go to and get any perspective you want about that. So, uh, I'm still monitoring it, and we'll see how it plays out, and, uh, hopefully, regardless of, uh, whatever the verdict is, I just hope people will, you know, they won't riot or destroy stuff, and, uh, that's all that I could hope for. So, on to lighter subject matter... The YouTube channel is going nicely. Happy to say, pleased to report. My latest review was for the Double Steak Grilled Cheese Burrito from Taco Bell. And, uh, 
very happy with how that video is performing. There seems to be a lot of interest in the grilled cheese burrito, of all things. I don't know why people care so much about this thing from Taco Bell. But they seem to, anyway. And, uh, I'm happy with it. Video seems to be doing nicely. It's performing nicely. It's, uh, right now it's on the level of the, uh, the Megan the, or the stallion, chicken sandwich from Popeyes, as well as the McDonald's McRib review. So, uh, it's looking like a successful video. Very happy to see that, though, so... It's always good. It's good for the channel, and things are, uh, are still looking up. Things are going nicely on my end. Pleased to report. You might notice in my recent videos there's been a very heavy incorporation of vests. As a matter of fact, it's been... The last time I didn't wear a vest in a video was October 8th. I've had a vest on in every video after that. If you listened to the one podcast I did a few weeks ago, then you heard that I've, you know, I've taken my wardrobe to the next level, if you will, and uh, I wear vests all the time now because that's how I feel comfortable. So I always like adding that vest, that extra layer. I like it. I think it looks nice, and it makes me feel more comfortable, too. So, uh... One other thing that I wanted to discuss before we get into the the emails. I, I was looking around. Now, I don't think I'm going to review this. Give me one second. I'm going to change hands with the microphone here, so sorry if you hear anything. All right, there we go. Now we're situated. Uh, I, I don't think I'm going to review this. I just... I'll tell you what. Lately, I've seen places release corresponding merchandise with their fast food item. Now, I've never understood that. Do people really give such a damn about these things that they're actually going to buy the merchandise? Like, um, with the Megan the Stallion sandwich. They were releasing some Megan the Stallion hottie sauce swimsuits and stuff, and I think to myself, is someone actually going to buy this? I don't understand it. <laughs> or you had the chicken sandwich song from McDonald's. Like, do people do, do people actually spend their money on this stuff? I, it's just laughable to me. I guess people do, though. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me, but who am I to judge, I guess? Anyway, we have Applebee's. Now, Applebee's is not necessarily a fast food place. Um, but, you know, a- Applebee's is one of those places. I haven't been there in a, probably a decade or, or so. A lot of people, at least I know anyway, a few years ago, it was in vogue to, um, to bash Applebee's. And it was very common to sit there and say, uh, blah, 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 Applebee's, uh, blah, 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 microwave food, right? And uh, this, that, and the other thing. Now, I don't know if it's one of those things where it's really that bad, or if it's as popular to say bad things about them, I haven't any idea. But when I went to Applebee's about a decade ago, I had their wings, and they were all right. But that's ten years we're talking about. It could, it could be awful now. 
either way, Applebee's is trying to, you know, get their name in the headlines with this new release. Applebee's is teaming up with Cheetos for the debut of new Cheetos Boneless Wings and Cheetos Cheese Bites. So Cheetos Boneless Wings feature crispy breaded boneless wings coated in crunchy Cheetos crumbles, tossed in Cheetos wing sauce, or Cheetos flamin' hot wing sauce. Or you can get your fried cheese bites coated in Cheetos crumbles. Those are the Cheetos cheese bites. $9.99 for either of those items. Which is kind of weird to me. Um, it's strange that these fried cheese bites are the same price as the chicken wings, or the boneless wings, right? I don't know, that's strange to me, but it is what it is. Anyway, that is not what disgusts me, believe it or not. Um, you might say, what? Of course that's gross. It's Applebee's, and it's Cheetos, and it's, it's, (laughs) it's boneless wings. Right? (laughs) Yeah, and uh, that's not what gets me. What gets me is the corresponding merchandise. It just, it's... Sometimes I could be sarcastic. This legitimately disgusts me. It really does. I just hate everything about it. I mean, I really do. I hate it. It says, additionally, to celebrate the launch, Applebee's is launching the ultimate is launching the ultimate accessory for the brand's messiest wings yet, the Shirtkin. The Shirtkin is made with a napkin-like fabric that allows diners to wipe their cheesy, saucy, filthy hands with ease for the exclusive drop. Applebee's will surprise superfans who like and engage with the brand's content over the coming weeks by sliding into their DMs to offer them their very own shirtkin. So, essentially, Applebee's is selling this special shirt that you can go wipe your hand, <laughs> you can go wipe your hands on. What is wrong with them? I mean, I really don't understand that the shirtkin this is so disgusting. It really is. I have nothing good to say about this. The concept of it grosses me out so much. I mean... I hate it. I mean, I, I, I really hate it. There's not many things that I say that about, but... This, this thing... I don't like it. To see the picture of it, this white shirt. It's white, too. These filthy Cheeto-stained fingerprints all over it. I don't know. Do people actually sit there and think this is a good idea to say, oh, yeah, you don't know, sell this shirt that you can wipe your hands on. Huh? Ugh, it's just so... It bothers me. I don't know what it is about it, but it bothers me. I cannot for the life of me imagine... (laughs) ...wanting to wipe my fingers on my shirt. 
think it's disgusting. Even if you have the special Cheetos wiping shirt. I don't like what it perpetuates either. Yeah, you know, let's have no manners. Yeah, what do we need napkins for? Let's just wipe it. Let me wipe my filthy hands on my shirt from now on. I don't like that. I don't like the standard that it's setting. I think it's lowering the bar. I disagree with that. You know, it's... uh, I think it's just gross. I think it's trashy. And, uh... I, I, I hate it. I mean, I really... I hate this thing. I don't know why I hate this thing so much, but I do. Shirtkin. I really don't care one way or another about the wings. I've seen plenty of these Cheetos-themed things over the years. It's not what grosses me out. It's just this shirt. I don't know. Is this what people want these days? Because I really don't know. I just live in my own reality, so I'm so, by choice, detached from all this sort of stuff. Is this what people want? And I'm just asking an open question. Is this what people want these days? Do they just want... A shirt that you can wear and you could just wipe your hands on it? I I don't know. I don't like it, though. That's my take. The shirtkin, it's called. You could see it for yourself. You could look it up. But I, I am not a fan. I am a vehement opponent thereof. So, Applebee's making some waves with that, I suppose. You're tuned in to VORW International. Up next is the Mailbag Show, where we read and respond to listener comments. Would you like to send an email and have it responded to in the next show? You're welcome to write in v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. Now let's go into that segment of the program. All right, so into the feedback we go. Not a ton of emails. I would honestly say a perfectly reasonable number of emails. Not too few, not too many. You know, where it gets crazy and you don't really know how to handle it. So, uh, all's good. Alright, let's start here. And, uh, some questions, some comments. We first hear from Scott, who writes, Good afternoon, John. I was surprised and delighted to see that you've published a fresh podcast. I understand and respect your current policy about these shows, and it was a real treat to see a fresh one. I am not at all surprised to learn that the majority of the problems surrounding the podcast came from YouTube. I think the effortlessness of engaging with the medium as a consumer results in a lack of every other human quality as well. Not with everyone, but with enough to cause significant issues. I listened to the show in one sitting and greatly enjoyed it. As always, your content is unique, enjoyable, and engaging. I know your next podcast may not be for a bit, but your efforts are appreciated. Thank you for all the content and for being a delightful person from Scott. Well, thank you, Scott. Kind words... And a nice email, too. Thank you for writing in. Yeah, the YouTube channel, it doesn't... To be honest with you, it doesn't surprise me, either. It it, it really doesn't. And uh, some people may say, well, why, you know? Why is that of no surprise to you? Well, I see what comes in on the comments, too. 
you know, in terms of, I'm not saying comments as in people commenting things via email, but on the YouTube comments, believe me, I see that. I see that so much with the main YouTube channel, the report of the week, but believe me, it's just no surprise. It opens your eyes not only to how some people can be, but that there are more people that way than you ever wish there were. A, uh, a sad state of affairs, I'll tell you that. So, it is what it is, but gives you some, I think, harsh, but honest, uh, perspective as, as to the way a lot of folks are. Yeah, cruel and uh, lacking with many, uh, many so-called human qualities. All right, next email comes in. A comment from Landon in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. The criticisms of your content and how you market it made me laugh. It's hard to make money in entertainment and especially to do it consistently over time. Not to mention that you're giving your content out for free. It's absurd. It's an absurd sense of entitlement to not only expect content for free, but at the same time to sit in judgment to ensure the content provider never sells out. <laughs> From Landon in Vancouver. Thank you, Landon. Another good comment. I mean, I, I have to say, that's a good uh, point that you raised that I, I didn't even... You know, the only thing that I don't do or provide free of charge are the archived radio shows, and the reason for that is is expressed. Uh, and I mentioned that in the last program that I did. But it's not as though the reviews have a paywall in front of them and I'm sitting there saying, if you want to see me review this burger, uh, it's going to be $25 per person or anything like that right? These are being published at no cost to anyone. And uh, that's a good point. So thank you for your comment there. Let's see. All right, this comes in from Tommy in the Bay Area of California. Couple questions and a comment as well, so let's uh, get to it. I don't know if you'll be reading this anytime soon, but I've been a fan of your YouTube food reviews for the past year or two now. I eventually found your podcast somehow on SoundCloud, and now I listen to it on Spotify. Maybe you had a link to SoundCloud and I clicked it. To interject, chances are that's probably how you found it. You continue, I would like to say thanks for creating such good content. I get anxiety at times, and listening to your podcast calms me down and even allows me to fall asleep. I would like to say I hope you consider coming back and making podcasts again. I'm not sure if if um I'm a little confused reading this. This was sent after I released the last show cuz this I released the last program on the 8th or 9th of November. And this came in on the 12th. So a few days afterward, but I'm not sure if this is, this might not even be related to that show. I, I just looked at it and I thought that it was, but, well, I, either way, show is back to some degree, so I hope that settles any sorts of concerns that you might have. 
Uh, it's not on YouTube. It's staying off YouTube for the foreseeable future, maybe forever. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I have the channel, and we'll see what comes of it. But uh, I'm not doing these on YouTube anymore. I've made up my mind, and I think that was the right choice to make. It was a decision, and a decision I stand by. But anyway, continuing with your email, you uh, had a few questions. You said, Do you wish you had any siblings? If you do, are they younger or older? I have five sisters, you said. So, I don't have any siblings. I am an only child. So, no, uh, no fellow... What do they say? Fellow kin for me. It's just me. And, uh, I'm okay that way. I, uh... I know sometimes people, they say, well, you know, you don't you wish you had uh, an older brother to look up to, or a younger brother to mentor, or, you know, whatever. No, I've, I'm fine being an only child, and that doesn't bother me one single bit. So, uh, no, I didn't have any siblings, nor uh, do I wish that anything was different. I, I think it turned out as best it could in that regard. Did you have a favorite sport or activity growing up? No, I wasn't a real sports person. I wasn't a sports person then, and I most certainly am not a sports person now. I don't watch any sorts of sports these days. Um, none. I, I, I just don't. I, uh, I don't know. It's just not for me. You know, sports, I understand, is one of those things that some people, they really like the sports. They like whatever it is, you know, pick a sport, any sport. Um, I just don't. I'm not a big, uh, I'm not a fan of it. It's just not for me. But if you like your sports, what do I care? You know, if you're just going to play sports, just be responsible for your your own safety, and especially the safety of those around you. Right, that's the most important thing. You just have to take that into account. Aside from that, what is it to me? If you like basketball or baseball or this, that, or the other ball, or whatever it is, that's your choice, your preferences. But I'm just not a big sports person. So, when I was young... I played soccer a little bit, and, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, if there was one thing that I learned from playing soccer, it was that I learned the art of being able to make myself look like I was doing something and staying out of the way while not really doing anything at all, um, because I wasn't into it, you know, like I said, I'm not an athlete or a sports enjoyer. But I found a way that I realized if I just run around and do this, you know, and just kind of run around and, and make myself look busy while not putting myself in the center of attention, I can avoid the ire of any sorts of coaches or officials or even my other teammates. And I can go the entire game without even touching the ball no one's even going to notice me or be upset at me 
for not doing so, be that teammates or, again, coaches or officials, and that's it. So that's what I would do. And, uh, yeah, you just you find a way to make yourself look busy while actually doing nothing and staying out of things. That is the best compromise that I, uh, I could get. Um, let's see. Yeah, sports. I mean, people, they do take their sports very seriously, though. It's like, it's a way of life for some. I've never really understood that mentality or that sort of attitude. It makes me, you know, makes you think sometimes about sports and, um, are they a means of pacification, right? I don't know. They say people, they say fewer people are watching sports these days, though. So, who knows? I think that's what they said anyway, right? Sports viewership. I'm just curious. Maybe they're just talking about television. Sports viewership. But when was this article from? Let's see, that's what... Uh, yeah, well, I'm finding... All right, this is one. Yeah, the NBA has gone off of a ratings cliff, right? Sports leagues, especially Major League Baseball, are seeing declines. The NBA is having declining viewership. I think even football is, too. For various reasons, you know. Some people just say, yeah, it's just the same stuff. I think a lot of people didn't like the inclusion of politics and all of that into the sports. I think some people, maybe they would turn to sports as a way of uh, trying to uh, get away from all of that, but then they feel like it's injected too much in, and, and that is a big turnoff for some. Maybe it's just overdone for others. Like I said, this is all just guess guesswork and conjecture on my end, because I never watched the stuff to begin with, so who am I to say? Sometimes when I'm scanning around on the shortwave, I'll hear Radio Exterior de España, they'll have coverage of the uh, football, right, or, or soccer, as we would say, and uh, those announcers, my goodness, are they exuberant, have they so much energy? Admittedly, I'll sometimes listen to that in the background, even though I haven't a clue what they're saying, because it's all in Spanish. Or sometimes also some of the Portuguese stations in Brazil will also have their exuberant announcers. I don't know what they're saying, but it's fun to listen to, you know, because you hear the whole... The whole atmosphere and these announcers going a mile a minute, and you hear the crowds in the background, you know, cheering and stuff. Though I, I don't know how much of that you get anymore still with the, the COVID stuff and how it is in some uh, countries, but it's a fun listen. But otherwise, final question. If YouTube didn't work out, what do you think you would have been doing? What other interest, what other industries would you consider? I just graduated college last fall and I'm starting a marketing analyst role currently. Well, congratulations on the job and uh, I hope it's everything you hoped it would be, you know? Hopefully it's uh, enjoyable, it's an enjoyable line of work. And uh, I wish you the best. 
So that was Tommy in the Bay Area of California. So if YouTube didn't work out, that's a tough question. Um, you know, I thought back, because my answer is really no different. My, I remember thinking in 2014 or so, right? Because back then, you have to remember, the YouTube channel didn't even start becoming sustainable until late 2016. And from there on, it was all right. But before then, it was iffy. Through most of 2016 and late 2015, I was actively trying to grow the YouTube channel. Before then, though, it was just iffy. And in late 2014, I don't think I even had 20,000 subscribers. I maybe had 15 to 18,000. I forget the precise amount. And the videos would only get maybe 500 to 1,000 views each. There were people that certainly watched, but not a ton at all. Again, that was in 2014. You believe how much damn energy I had back then? Could you... You know, for part of 2014, I was doing videos every single day, sometimes twice a day. Isn't that something? It's just funny. Anyway. I remember being clueless as to what I thought I was going to do with my life. Utterly clueless and completely directionless. And, uh... If it weren't for this channel, I would be the same way still. You know? I think the end game was essentially... There was a time I thought that broadcasting might be the best... best uh, route to go down. But, you know, you ever have one of those moments where you think that you're going to enjoy doing this, and you think that, oh yeah, this career choice seems uh, suitable. But then you actually start looking more into it, and you start studying it, and then you realize, eh, yeah, I don't know, this, this, I don't know if this is really for me, right? That's the realization I came to with broadcasting. Because, uh, for a bit, I thought, well, maybe I can get a job in, uh, I was especially hoping radio, maybe for, like, an AM news station or something, which, uh, I know the pay would be dismal, but it would be something to do, at least. You know, it would be like if, if I got a job as a newsreader at, say, you know, one of the New York City AM news radio stations, like 1010 Winds, at WCBS 880, WOR 710, WABC 770, or, um, Bloomberg 1130, right? And I can do the news for that or something, that might be a possibility, but it's not as easy as that. You know, these are top-rated stations. <laughs> some some schmuck just out of college, for lack of a better word, is not going to be able to just waltz in there and get a job. It doesn't work that way. So number one, it's just naive of me to even think that. But number two, you know, you... you it's just not easy. It's a, a very, very difficult field to break into. And admittedly, it's a declining field still. Uh, AM radio, I think, is going to hang on for a while still in the United States. As long as cars 
still have AM radios in them, it's not going to die completely. But the moment that goes away, it's going to drop off. But until then, if, if they still put an AM radio in automobiles in 2040, you're still going to have AM radio stations on the air. There might be less, but you're still going to have them. It's just going to really drop off like it's doing in Europe once they, once they pull the plug on that. Over in Europe, a couple stations over in uh, Slovakia, I think, are going to be going off the air soon. It's just all dying out there. All, all radio over in Europe is, I think, except for maybe the digital stuff, and that's it. Um, Longwave is, is still dying out. Medium wave or AM is dying out over there. And uh, shortwave is also. I think shortwave radio is going to hold out longer in North America than it's going to in Europe at this point. It's just the trends that I'm observing. But, uh... Anyway, that was the one reason it's just tough to break into. The second reason, though, is when I was studying it, I realized that this is a field for extroverts. By and large, if you want to do things by the book, and actually, you know, get the job and do all... You have to be extroverted. And I realized that pretty quickly, and that didn't work with me. So... It was one of those things, I enjoy some of the aspects of it, but is this something that I could do in the sense of going the traditional route? No, it's not. And I, I, I faced that choice, and I understood it. So, after that, I was clueless, and um, still am. So, I think I even said back then, and... Uh, Something that I still, I you know, what did I say years ago? I, I'll just paraphrase. I said something to the extent of, well, chances are I'm going to do what's expected of me. Get a job I hate. Be miserable every day. And uh, go on for as long as I wind up. And that's going to be it. And uh, there's life. So... That's uh, the way it would go. That's why I'm thankful, though, that the YouTube channel worked out as best it could, quite frankly, and um, that the sustainability still seems to be there. I'm amazed it's lasted this far. Do I expect it to go forever? No, but it's amazing that here we still are after all these years. It's, it's, uh, it's really something. Wouldn't be here if it weren't for you watching and listening right now, and I hope you know how much I appreciate that. So thank you to everyone out there tuned in. This is VORW International. Let's get into some more feedback. Claire is checking in. Good evening. I recently downloaded the McDonald's app to see what kind of crazy customization options I can get away with. In so doing, I learned you can specify extra sauce on the McRib. Obviously, you shouldn't need to do so if they made it properly, but this option might provide a failsafe if your particular location is not sufficiently layering it with barbecue sauce. With admiration, Claire. So thank you, Claire, for checking in. 
that's a good heads up because I, I don't use the McDonald's app because I feel uncomfortable downloading various things to my phone. So I go old school. <laughs> it's silly to say that. It's not really old school. I, I, I say that sarcastically. Um, I order it on DoorDash and all of that. So I know the customizations there are probably limited in comparison to what you can get on the McDonald's app. And uh, DoorDash, you know, it is what it is. I don't know if I can get extra sauce there. Yeah, here's what I wonder. Do you think they charge for extra sauce on the McDonald's app? I bet they do. That's my guess. I mean, if if I'm wrong, I would be happy to be wrong. And it would actually be nice. But these days, I bet the way they are these days, they probably charge you extra for sauce, extra sauce, when a couple years ago they would have just put the regular amount of sauce on. Now they're making you pay extra just for the regular amount. And uh, that's the way that they do. Now, why is that, right? One could say corporate greed, possibly. Probably likely, if anything. Could it be also because of the supply chain issues, which are undeniably real? Absolutely as well. So... We can't always be too quick to blame, however, do you think if they are charging extra for the sauce, if the supply chain is ever back to normal, right, the big if at this point, um, but if things ever do get sorted out and um, everything is good again and container ships full of McRib sauce can flow freely across the country, do you think that they would go back to how it used to be? That's the question. I don't think that they are. I think even if inflation and the supply issues ever get resolved, I don't think it's going to go back to how it was. Um, why should they, right? I know people are still going to do it, so what, what, what the hell does it matter? But, um, you know, we'll see. That's just been the trend with all of this stuff for decades now, right? You see all the comparisons where people talk about how it was back in the 80s and 90s, and they say the quality you couldn't even compare it to today. You think people are just all saying that for no reason? No, of course not. They're saying it because it was better. And uh, we might get to some pitiful day one time where we're going to be sitting here saying, uh, you remember you remember how good the McRib was in 2018? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's... Uh, imagine that. Uh, funny stuff, though. Thank you either way for uh, updating me on the sauce issues. I hope you can get the extra sauce free of charge. Next up, we hear from... Cole in Waco, Texas. Howdy. Listening to your recent 60-minute check-in and wanted to remind you that you're a stud. All right. However, you need to improve your bite game. I want to see both hands full of food, both stuffing your mouth simultaneously, all while continuing to, th to, to speak to your audience. Only then will you truly be the king of food reviews. Have a great day, 
from Cole in Waco, Texas. All right. Well, at least I have reached stud status, <laughs> as you say. <laughs> Why do I find that so funny? You know, if so, I, you know, someone else can take the crown of being the king of food reviews. Honestly, I just do my thing. I do it. I do it. I do my thing the way I do it. If someone wants to, if someone wants to have both hands full of food, I guess both stuffing said food into the mouth, they could even, if they're flexible, take a, a foot and uh, have some food on that too. If they can't, if they haven't any dexterity in their toes and they can't grip anything, they could still kind of get like a donut and put it around the big toe. And, and shovel that in there while they're at it, and then proceed to uh, eloquently deliver whatever <laughs> dialogue they wish to present, and uh, then they could they could say, I'm the king of the food reviews, and rightfully so, granted, because they, they've met all of the coal criteria of being a king of the food reviews. <laughs> Thank you for writing in. Uh, let's see, what have we next? We hear from... Well, no name was given in the email, so we'll just say anonymous. Hello. My daughter was a big fanatic of you when she was 12. Now she's 21, and now I'm the fanatic. Wow, so she was watching a long time ago. Anyway, I just want to say you're awesome. Keep up the good work. It's Sunday, the 14th of November, 2021, 11.09 a.m., and I'm listening to the podcast. What is your opinion regarding new age? Shall I just keep living and expecting how things were many years ago, or should I adapt to the new world? Bothers me how everything has changed from baby playing with toys to now parents just giving babies iPads or cell phones. I say baby because they're literal babies. The fact that I can't even go out with friends without them having to post everything in social media. I myself don't have any social media whatsoever. I refuse to adapt to this new world. What's your thought? Well, my take is, uh, if you haven't adapted now, don't. I mean, you've held out... Here's something to remember. Now, this is my own attitude. Um, so don't take, don't take this as though I am saying, right, definitive fact, I'm just imparting my opinion, but just keep doing you, that's my opinion. I think, to me anyway, chances are, if you haven't adapted to this by now, and you're still living a happy life, do what works best for you. That's my advice. Now, me personally, more power to you. I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for anyone in this day and age who doesn't do the social media stuff. I really do, and, uh, well, quite frankly, silly this may be for me to say, considering what I do myself. There needs to be more people like you, in my opinion. I, despite doing the YouTube, do I like the social media stuff? No, I don't. Do I like what social media, in some ways, I feel has done to society? 
what I feel like smartphones have done to society. No, I don't. I really, really don't. And do I feel bad sometimes for essentially, in a way, via my content on social media, feel bad for contributing to this? Yes, I do. And uh, I don't like it. I really don't like it, honestly. You know, I don't use social media unless I'm promoting my videos, and that's it, pretty much. I, I use YouTube to listen to some music and watch some videos here and there, but I don't use any of the other sites. I don't use Twitter unless I'm promoting something. I don't use Instagram unless I'm promoting something. I, I've never used TikTok, I guess it is. And um, I know a lot of people do these days, but I don't, never have. I just don't do the social media stuff. I have a smartphone, but I didn't have a smartphone before 2017, late 2017. And honestly, I only use my smartphone for a few things. I use it for taking pictures. I use it for filming videos. I use it to search things on Google and check the news. And I use it to check my email on occasion, and that's it. So, it's not, you know, your uh, social media powerhouse with all sorts of apps or anything downloaded. I think I even established earlier in the show that I don't even like having apps on my phone. So, I try to do things old school as best I can because that's how I prefer it. And I'm in a situation where I still am able to. I think, though, what really, really gets to me is when I see people giving smartphones and all of that to to children. I disagree with that. I, uh, I know it might be a conservative view these days, but I can't help but have it. It's just some things make sense to me, some things don't. And, uh, you know, you know how it is. Some things feel right and some things don't, and I just don't get that feeling about it. It seems wrong on so many levels. It, some people might say, yeah, but that's the technology and the kids have to be exposed to it, etc. Do they really, though? I just can't help but think about the irreparable harm that these poor kids... When they're growing up, their mind's still so formative and all of that. Really a, uh, such a crucial time in their lives. They just be exposed to all of that. I don't know. It seems wrong to me. Now, people might say, yeah, but there's parental controls and all that sort of stuff. You could just put them on... YouTube kids or whatever in these kids social media sites I don't know Number one those parental controls aren't perfect Some kids are more clever than you think anyway and Even still these supposedly child-friendly sites Are exploited I think I think that they're exploited a lot of ways um, 
I remember thinking, or seeing, I should say, that uh, there was a time where a lot of videos on YouTube kids were really just being created and pushed by pedophiles trying, you know, to groom the kids, etc. And uh, that's not right. They try to make these sites, you know, to be child-friendly, etc. But humanity, there's a whole lot of evil in a whole lot of people. And you could only do so much to stop them all. So that's with parental controls. Without parental controls and all of that, it's horrible. And I just don't think any child should be exposed to that sort of stuff, some of it anyway, at such a young age. I think social media has caused a lot of... a lot of the problems that we see, you know, in society. Has it caused all of them? Has it solved a lot of things? Yeah, but... I think that it's... if not being responsible for the negative traits we see today, I think it is directly responsible for drawing out said traits, right? The in absolutely insane narcissism that we see, so prevalent. Maybe that was always there, but I think some of social media really drew that out. And other things too, you know, I just don't want to go there today, but... No, you, you just have to do what works best for you. I live essentially old school. That's how I'm happy. And if that's what makes you happy, you got to stick to it. Stay true to yourself if you can. Stay true to yourself, what you believe, and uh, just try to live the best life you can without hurting or harming others. So that's my take. So if you want to live old school then live it. And, uh, all's good in my opinion. An interesting topic, though. Thank you for checking in. All right, we have a few more emails to respond to. So let's continue. Let's see. All right, this one comes in from Jason in Sydney, Australia. Uh, we'll read a few segments of this one. Hey, VLRW, love the work. Uh, let's see. Want to write in to express how some of your thumbnail moments in your food reviews are taking away from the video. You can keep it brief while still getting what you want, but it makes the audience detached and bored and detracts from the energy of the video, and you take too long, and it seems forced. So, a few thoughts from Jason in Sydney, Australia. Now, Jason, I respect your opinion. I could clearly see that you're not a fan of the thumbnail segments in the reviews that I do, but I disagree with you. And I'm just going to have to break with you on that one. Like I said, it's evident that you might not be a fan of the thumbnail segments in the videos. There's a reason why I do it, though. And from what I can discern, anyway, 
that a majority, what I'm trying to say anyway, what I could discern is that a majority of viewers do not seem perturbed by it. I enjoy taking the thumbnails. Not only does it help with the video itself, because I think it's easy to make criticisms when you haven't the pressure or, you know, the need to make videos and, you know, so what? It's just a thumbnail. You have to realize some of the most important parts of a YouTube video are the thumbnail, the title, and uh, all of that. If you give a video a bad thumbnail, people are not going to watch. And I've been at this for many years at this point. I've uploaded many videos. And through that, now I could only speak granted for my personal experience, but I could tell what works and what doesn't at this point. So there were many times where I, I didn't take the thumbnail shots, but I've realized ever since that I have, it makes things easier for me. It's able to give something that I know I can use for the video. Personally, I also like it because I think it shows a message to viewers, you know, of authenticity, that I'm not going to sit there and just film something special for the thumbnail. You're going to see the entire process exactly as it is, and you get to watch me essentially do the video from every way. You know, you get to... I don't know, I just like being up front and, and being able to show, okay, this is the part where we get the thumbnail. And I think some viewers like being able to see how that part of the video works, essentially. As a matter of fact, I've seen many people in the comments saying uh, that it's actually enjoyable to see the try to see me do the thumbnail shots and then guess which one I actually went with, because I always take a few. So I understand that you might not be a fan of them, but like I said, there's a reason why I do them, and that's not something that will be changed. So I respect your view. I'm going to have to break with you, though, and uh, that's nothing that I'm going to be changed. Uh, the thumbnail shots are not going anywhere. And that's just how it is. Now, the good news for you is that on YouTube, at least, you do have the ability to skip ahead a little bit. So next time you watch a review, if you choose to, that is, you never have to watch anything of mine. No one's forcing you to. But the good news for you is that you could go ahead and you can skip ahead a few seconds, so next time you see me do that, you can say, all right, I'm going to skip past this. And there's th there you go. So I have my reasons, and uh, like I said, nonetheless, I respect your opinion. We hear from Jeff in Phoenix, Arizona, said, as usual, I'm still lurking and listening to your stuff and enjoying it, too. In regards to the Travis Scott concert stuff, back in the 1980s, when I used to go to many shows, the crowd rushing toward the stage when the headliner appears was nothing new. I was in that crush many times, 
although never with as many people as the Astro World show. At the time, it was part of going to a big rock show. You got there early, and one way or another, you made your way as close to the stage as you could get. The possible danger was part of the fun in a way. But when the crowd started pushing it, uh, what, sorry, when the crowd started pushing, it stopped being fun, and sometimes became a battle for survival and, dumb as it may seem, on occasion that was fun as well. You don't think about dying, you're rocking out, man. As a performer, I've been on stage watching people getting smushed, never on the level of Astro World, but still concerning, and it's not fun. We would always try to get people over the crowd barriers and up on stage where they could breathe. Anyway, unfortunately, this is nothing new and has been a concern for decades at rock and roll shows when it comes to large crowds with no assigned seating, i.e. general admission shows or outdoor festivals. Felt bad for everybody on either side of the stage. Take care from Jeff. So thank you, Jeff. It's good to hear from you. I know you've been here for years, so uh, good to still see. Good to still see you sticking around. And yeah, those sorts of of crushes. It, it is nothing new. It's it's very sad. Exactly like you said, though. You know, people they try to. You know, they try to get their way close to the stage, and they. I think. People get so caught up in the atmosphere, you know? You're not really thinking about... What if this is crushing people? What if this? What if that? You know, I think everyone's just kind of living in the moment. Like you said, you know, they're rocking out. They're into the music and into the show, and they want to see the performer, etc. Those sorts of things just aren't taken into account. People there aren't sitting there thinking, you know, is this... Is this causing a crush? No, no one thinks that. So that's a good point. Uh, thank you, Jeff, in Phoenix. Like I said, it's good to hear from you. We hear from Eric, who says, I'd like to hear your take on the conflict in Poland and Belarus. Take care. So thank you, Eric, for your thoughts and well wishes. Well, the situation between Poland and Belarus, it's it's different than some of what we've seen. Here's the thing. It is not... Because any situation, if it's painted a certain way, you can make something of it. And, um... Some people, without really looking into it at all, they think, well... All I've heard is that there's a lot of refugees on the border of Poland, and, uh, you know, evil Poland is refusing to let them into their country, right? Some people have that view. But then if you start really looking into it, you realize, well, is it is it that cut and dry? You know, if you just read the headlines, it might make you think that. What's really going on, you have to remember, is that Belarus is a dictatorship, and you have Lukashenko, who is, uh, you know, the dictator of Belarus. Uh, he's known for his <laughs> very shady election results in terms of getting another term, you know, as these sorts of dictators often do. And 
he's essentially using the refugees as a tool. He, he doesn't give a damn about any of those refugees. D don't think for a second that this is some sort of, you know, oh, uh, God bless Belarus for bringing in the refugees and saving all these people and curse Poland and, and Europe for not welcoming them in. Belarus doesn't give a damn about them one single bit, and you're deluded if you think for a second that they do. They're just using them as a tool to say, all right, you know, we're going to flood the border of, of uh, Poland with these people, and we're going to let them deal with it, you know, essentially giving the middle finger to the rest of Europe. That's what he's doing with all of this. He's using them as a bargaining chip, essentially saying, well, we want you to do this, this, and this with the sanctions, or we're going to send all these people into Europe, so what's it going to be? And uh, that's how it is. So there's nothing really humanitarian about this. And um, that should... People need to realize that. People just think it's... You know, and it's not the way that you think it is just by looking at the, the news headlines and the occasional picture. Let's uh, read a little bit of a, an article here. And this is from the New York Times, so before anyone tries to accuse this of, you know, some sort of bias, etc., in terms of anti-immigration. But let's just read a few excerpts. And this article was from today, the 17th of November. And it says, How the Belarus standoff is unlike recent migrant crises. The images at the Poland-Belarus border look familiar, but this emergency has little in common with previous waves of people from Syria, Myanmar, and Afghanistan. A crowd of migrants trying to cross a border has come to seem appallingly familiar in recent years. We've seen masses of people attempt to seek refuge in strange lands, Syrians escaping civil war, the Rohingya driven from Myanmar, Afghanistan's Afghans fleeing Taliban rule. But the standoff at the border between Belarus and Poland, where thousands of migrants are camped in freezing forests, differs sharply from those crises in its origins, relative scale and implications. First, this appears to be an orchestrated crisis created by Alexander Lukashenko, Belarus's autocratic ruler, to cause trouble for the European Union. To interject, see, that's what I was saying. He's doing this. Like I said, there is no altruism here. He's using this to try to destabilize and cause other issues. It's, it's just a tool for him. Continuing. Belarus allows little in the way of independent news media or political opposition. Lukashenko's claim last year was to have won re-election with 80% of the vote, widely seen as a farce, and hundreds of thousands of people protested. The authorities uh, suppressed the demonstrations with force. In response, the EU imposed sanctions on Belarus, which is not a member of the Union, and Mr. Lukashenko dearly wants them lifted. Again, in interjecting, just like we were talking about, continuing. In recent months, he has allowed in thousands of visitors 
who want to reach the much freer, wealthier countries of Western and Northern Europe. That means first getting into one of the EU member countries that border Belarus, Poland, Lithuania, or Latvia. The number of people flowing through Belarus grew sharply in August, most of them Afghans, and it surged in the past month with people from Iraq and Syria, many of them ethnic Kurds. Mr. Lukashenko and his government deny deliberately using migrants to unsettle the EU, while repeatedly threatening to do just that. But the evidence is compelling, starting with the country's liberal granting of visas to people with one-way airline tickets to Minsk, the Belarusian capital. Some migrants have reportedly been taken to the EU borders by the Belarusian authorities, who have urged or even forced them to cross. They say these authorities gave them wire cutters to breach fences, helped tear down barriers, and prevented them from returning to Belarus. They said there are about 20,000 migrants in Belarus at this point. So again, like I was saying, and the article continues, but I think those are the, the most relevant excerpts, like I was saying, this is this is Belarus playing around with this. It's not an overwhelming number of migrants just coming in by themselves, but again, it's Belarus intentionally getting them into their country in order to try to send them elsewhere to the neighboring countries to cause issues and use them as leverage and say, well, we know that you don't want these migrants, so give it give us things, you know, our way, or else we're going to send them across the border and you're going to have to deal with them now. So, like I said, this is just one of the games that Lukashenko is playing. And uh, I've been familiar with the situation in Belarus even before last year. I was, I've been familiar for a long time because, you know, I, I like I like following this sort of stuff, even if I don't talk about it a ton. It interests me. Uh, Radio Free Europe used to broadcast on the shortwave to Belarus. Now they broadcast on the AM radio to Belarus still. And uh, Radio Poland has a special service to Belarus as well. You know, obviously makes sense. They're right across the border from one another. But I've been familiar with the politics in Belarus for years, and uh, this is just how it is. Doesn't really surprise me, given how things are over there. So, that's what's going on, and that's my opinion of the situation. Belarus, you know, they used to have a, uh, a shortwave station. They used to have Radio Belarus, which was on the... Uh, the international shortwave. They had a couple transmitters. I think they were both, I think they were like 150 kilowatts or something. They had these two transmitters that would broadcast essentially from Belarus. I think they were in Minsk. And they would just broadcast due west. So toward Western Europe and then beyond if the signal would, would make it from there. I was never really able to pick up Radio Belarus direct in uh, North America. 
because the transmitters that they used were these old, you know, probably going back to the days when uh, Belarus was still part of the, the USSR, you know. There were these old transmitters and the audio quality just wasn't good. I remember both of them. I would, I would hear online, on one of those online receivers in Western Europe, they would come in very strong in the Netherlands. But even then, despite the strong signal, there was always this distortion in the audio, and it was just very... It was too quiet, and it was just tough to make out. You know, they, they had their technical difficulties, and it was clear that they were using old equipment. So they never really made it over to... North America, I think maybe I picked them up like once or twice and they were barely audible. But the one time, you know, I picked up Radio Belarus, I did, uh, I wrote to them. I mean, I, I sent them a letter. I've, I guess I've corresponded with Belarus and, uh, and I mean, from a PR standpoint, they were nice. But makes you think, well, yeah, of course they would be, you know, they're trying to give the impression that they're this way or that way, etc. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Can one person in charge speak for everyone in the entire country? No. Obviously not. But I remember they sent me all this interesting stuff, and they, they, were, they were nice. They sent a very nice response to the letter. And they sent me this whole deck of postcards of various pictures and scenes and everything from Belarus, and it was it was nice to get anyway, but... Their station left the airwaves in mid-2015, so they're not to be heard anymore. I think they, they might still be on the air with like this really low-power signal, maybe just one kilowatt, but you can't really hear that outside of maybe Eastern and Central Europe. I definitely can't hear them on my own radio anymore. I haven't, again, since 2015. Anyway... Belarus, my, uh, my thoughts thereon. So actually checking the email now, it looks like that's all that I have for the show, um, because there was one email that I was contemplating responding to on the air, but I think I'm just going to do that in writing instead. Let's just refresh the page, make sure nothing came in. And indeed, nothing did. So with that, that's all that I have for you. Thank you for listening in to the show tonight. Hope it made for an enjoyable listen. Until next time, be safe, be healthy, and I wish you all the very best. Take care. This is VIYW.